nothing cleared a room faster than saying we sell rugs online. We realised that people don't necessarily buy a product, they buy a look. So we use content extensively. Our team are so passionate about rugs. It's crazy. They call themselves rug addicts. World rug domination, one rug at a time. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Remember when you'd sit down, usually after you've just had your Viennetta for dessert, and watch Hey Hey It's Saturday, and it seemed like at every ad break, there was a large shouty man who had a rug store that was closing down? Ah, the good old days, eh? Well, today's guest has created an online rug business called Miss Amara, which uses beautiful content styling services and amazing customer service to modernise the business of rug retailing. Today, they're on track to surpass $20 million in revenue and are shipping to Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong and soon into the US. Co-founders of Miss Amara, Alex Tanya and Aaron Weller, join us to share the story of why and how they are conquering the difficult world of rug retailing. In this conversation, we cover how to engage with customers to the point where they become content creators and your biggest ambassadors for a really low cost. We also cover how augmented reality boosted their conversion rate by up to seven times, why Alex hand wrote 400 notes to customers during COVID, and they also share some of the practices they put in play as a couple to keep both their work and their home life happy. And please, forgive my croaky voice. When we recorded this, I was only a few hours away from losing my voice totally. How good a podcast. So thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet, here's our conversation with Alex and Aaron from Miss Amara. Aaron and Alex, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Pleasure. Awesome to have you guys. Now, where are you joining us from? We're actually joining you from Hong Kong today. Beautiful. And is Hong Kong the normal base? It is. We actually relocated here for personal reasons, but it was really great to be here when we started making our own product because it just meant that we were, you know, we could get on a plane immediately when product was ready and touch and feel the rugs and roll around on them and all of that. So that's kind of why we moved. <laughs> yeah, awesome. we're based in Sydney, Sydney prior and like a large portion of the team's based over in, in Sydney as well, some of them over here in Hong Kong. But yeah, our suppliers are in Turkey, uh, in China in and India. India, so it's a lot closer to our suppliers. Yeah. Makes sense. Hong Kong was a great base for us to get somewhere quickly. <laughs> so to give... Listeners' context in the product that you're rolling around on. Can you give us an <laughs> overview on uh, Miss Amara and what you guys do? Yeah, sorry. Some context. No, that's my fault as a host. Really it's not your there. problem. <laughs> so we sell rugs online. If you haven't actually heard of us before, we are Miss Amara. We have an e-commerce store, missamara.com.com.au. We're in the US, New Zealand and Hong Kong and we sell rugs online. Beautiful. And how long have you been doing it for? Since 2014. Yeah, seven years now. Can't believe it. You're old fogies in the e-commerce game now. 
We are. (laughs) (laughs) And rugs. Why rugs? I couldn't think of a worse product to sell in e-commerce than rugs. Do you know what? Everyone asks us that question. And I joke about it because I'm like, when we were first starting out and we would go to those, you know, networking events and things, I would just say, like, nothing cleared a room faster than saying we sell rugs online. And I don't know why. I think rugs had a really, really bad rap then. They really do, yeah. They really, really did. And, you know, no one wanted to touch the space. But on the other side of things, because no one wanted to touch it, it was such a great opportunity you know I guess when you ask why rugs I can take you back to kind of the history about why we started Miss Amara yeah let's do it yeah take you back to yeah. the, the to the OG days <laughs> okay so Aaron and I I guess we both come from a technology background and I guess when Aaron was working at an SEO agency he and a few of the other guys working there uncovered a bit of an opportunity. So they uncovered that a hell of a lot of people were searching for rugs online. So, you know, where do we buy rugs, how to buy rugs online, delivery of rugs online, things like that. And it kind of got us thinking. So we were like, oh, gosh, there's so many people searching for rugs, but we didn't know that many people who bought rugs. <laughs> so literally we started asking our friends and our families and we were like, hey, have you guys like ever tried to buy a rug before? I mean, you tried to buy a rug. Yeah, you? yeah, no, I tried to buy a rug before online as well prior to Miss Amara and, yeah, the experience was... Yeah. It was terrible. It was terrible. So yeah. uh, um, we asked our family, we asked our friends, and everyone had the same experience. So out of all of our friends and family, I was the only one who actually bought a rug. But everyone at some stage in their lives wanted to buy a rug. And so the story was exactly the same. It was literally word for word. So, yeah, I really wanted to buy a rug at some stage. And, you know, a lot of people got into that inspiration phase where they would hop onto Pinterest, you know what it's like when you're trying to furnish your house and, and pin looks and everything looks so beautiful. But when when it came to the actual experience of buying the rug, they would go online and it was just awful. So what I mean by that is, you know, at the time it was a very masculine industry in terms of like you had that cliche of Aladdin flying on the rug and that was it or I mean I don't know whether you guys whether you remember Nathan but they used to have those TV commercials yeah. where there would just be a guy and he'd just be yelling at you. I don't know what, who came <laughs> up with that. And everyone was closing like, down. Every yeah, rug store always, was closing always down. Always closing, closing down. down. Yeah. Yeah. Must, must get in there. Last chance. Buy a rug. Now, now, now. And it was literally like a guy shouting at you. It was awful. And then in terms of the online experience, you know, the e-commerce players at that time, they would literally get... 50,000 SKUs and they would just dump them on a website, the product photos, no rhyme or reason, no inspirational photos. So people would go through decision paralysis. So eventually every single person put that need of buying a rug in the too hard basket and they never bought one. Or they went to a physical store. Or they went to a physical store. Yeah. Because rug buying 
regardless of online or offline, is a pretty difficult task in itself, right? Because of not knowing where materials come from, not knowing quality. It's a product you probably buy once every, I don't know, five, ten years. Yeah. That's a hard thing in itself, but then to transfer that to online as well without the touch and feel. What kind of tactics did you guys put in place to try and give people that real experience? Yeah, yeah. I think, and that's something that we really, we identified at the beginning was when we started Miss Amara, we wanted to remove those barriers to buying, buying online. I mean, and that's not even online. That's also like, I guess, physical side of things as well, but particularly online, like, you know, buying a rug is dimensionally going to be the biggest thing that you buy in your home. Like it's bigger than a bed. Uh, when you roll it out, it's dimensionally like the biggest thing you'll buy for your home. So we knew that like, you know, people, that's also probably one of the more expensive things you'll buy. A rug isn't cheap. So you know. in your head, you're like, gosh, this is a big commitment, you know? Yeah, it's a big yeah. commitment. Also like, you know, it's really important because it can really make or break a space, like choosing the right rug. So yeah, that's why we set, what we set out to basically remove those barriers. So the first thing that we did was a tried at home service. So the, the two components are we do free shipping so all our products are free shipping. Our customers don't have to pay for the shipping. And then we have it a tried at home service. So a customer can buy on buy it from us. Uh, they receive the rug. And if they don't like it within 30 days, they can send it back to us and we'll cover all the costs. So as long as the rug's in original condition, we'll cover the shipping there and the shipping back. Yeah, so our wow. company will outlay for that co- the courier expense, which yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of time a lot of the time is is quite sizable. Yeah, sizable because also we're shipping large products. Um, but that's all part of kind of our offering and it's a really important part of it. So the other thing that we do is we also we realize that people don't necessarily buy a product, they buy a look. So we use content extensively. So it's probably one of the biggest things that we use to, to basically make sure people understand what the rug's going to look like in a home. So we'll work with different people with, and, and basically work with different people and get real shots of rugs in their home. And that's really what sells the rugs. Yeah. And I know for us, especially, you know, with our social and our Instagram, we definitely aim at the very least to inspire people. So you might not be shopping for a rug at some stage at that point in time, you're following us because you want to be inspired by beautiful content. And some point in your life, you might want to buy a rug and hopefully you're going to do it from us. (laughs) (laughs) When Australian fashion brand Age wanted to set up its international omni-channel presence, they wanted to focus on mobile intuitiveness and flexible payment types. And of course, they turned to Shopify Plus. In just a few weeks after implementation, they saw their e-commerce conversion rate soar by 135%. It's the stuff e-commerce dreams are made of. They also saw a reduction in bounce rate, increased pages per session, and a longer session duration. Now, they are ready to take on the world. To read more of Age's story and see other case studies, visit the customers section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. Is that part of changing the tone around how you sell rugs? Like um, you mentioned before around that male shouty voice being known for rugs. Was that when you first launched Miss Amara, was that original, that approach to rugs, that content-driven approach? No, it was probably something we figured out pretty early on. Yeah. So probably in the first probably year or a year and a half, I think we really figured that out. It was something we kind of learned over time. We did a bit of market research into who is the decision maker in the household and surprise, Mm. surprise, in 95% of the cases, it was the female. So, you know, we were really excited that 
you know, where was that female brand that was connecting with those customers? So that's kind of where we came up with the name Miss Amara. So Miss is obviously that that feminine touch and Amara is kind of a nod to the Middle Eastern origins of where rugs were made. Ah, I was wondering about the Amara side. Didn't know that. Yeah, well. yeah. Cool. So one of the other things that we did as well, we have interior stylists in-house who basically the customer comes along and there's a lot of different rugs and they, they need help making that final decision. So whether they're kind of further down further down the path, they, they need that kind of that having interior stylists will give them that confidence to make the decision, the final decision. Or maybe they just want to like, you know, basically get some get some options from interior stars. So, yeah, we hire interior stars to help our customers make, make a decision on what they want to uh, buy. So yeah. do those interior stylists work one-on-one with customers or is it more from a content perspective? One-on-one. Yep. They get one-on-one. a completely freestyling advice, customised consult with an interior designer. So, yeah, I guess when we first launched, we were like, well, you know, we could hire customer service agents, but what we really want is we want our customers to be speaking to people that they would see as authorities in the space that know design, you know, that know um, how to choose the right rug for each space, that makes sense for us so we hired interior designers and it's really really simple so they just ask the customer great you're looking for a rug you know are there any key criteria like do you have kids do you have pets those kinds of questions and then we might show them a few different styles and say hey you know out of these five pictures you know which style do you gravitate towards the most so that we understand their style and their taste and then every customer gets a curated collection of rugs specifically for their space and we also ask them to send us photos of their space as well that's pretty amazing to get photos like when we talk about customer data to have photos of your customer's space that your products are going into. That's pretty phenomenal, right? They are so happy to send photos. Like sometimes they'll actually call out interior stylists and say, hey, do you mind if I FaceTime you? Because I literally want to walk you around my house. (laughs) Yeah. So how does it work at the moment? Is it live chat with those stylists? So the live chat are generally the first responders and they will collate the data. So in terms of like, okay, does this customer have a pet? Do they need it to be kid friendly? And the first responders of the first responders, there may be an interior stylist there that can just a lot of the time a customer's on site and they're ready to purchase and say, hey, I just want to run this rug by you. This is my space. Do you think it's going to work? And they literally just need that nudge and so that they, they feel an authority has looked at it and said, yeah, that's going to look great. Go for it. Um, But if that person requires a more in-depth styling consult, we may pass them on. Um, We're now starting to book these styling calls so people can actually go into our stylist calendar and book a time with them. That's cool. So your customer service and your stylist are separate teams and separate services. Uh, No, they're part of the same team. So the way we structure is they're part of the same team, but we, in terms of when they're available first to the customer, like, you know, if the customer's coming along, because we do 24-7 live chat because we want to make sure there's someone always there to answer the, the basic questions for a customer who's ready to order to basically be able to get the kind of the basic questions. But then the t- styling team is there ready if somebody wants some styling advice. Awesome. I love, I love when e-commerce businesses set up their customer service team to not just be the complaints department, that they set them up to actually be a sales team as well. And that's it. Our team are so passionate about rugs. It's crazy. 
They it's call awesome. themselves rug addicts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Google it. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so if we've got that in place at the moment, does... Because I've, I've got the feeling, and, and I've obviously browsed the site, that you deliver this exceptional service. You deliver some really great inspirational content to get customers really excited. Do you find that that gives you more leverage over price, not to be, have to be so promotion or price reliant if you have those foundations in place? Definitely, definitely. So if you look at us compared to our competitors, we are definitely more expensive. We still run promotions because it's an important part of the sales process. But in terms of you look at our pricing, even taking into account promotions, we are more expensive, but we do offer a lot more than our competition. So it really does allow us to... And and it's funny that you ask that, Nathan, because a lot of customers, one of the really common tickets that we get in customer service is customers will send through a ticket and they'll say, hey, I've noticed this rug. I can get a similar rug at this competitor for, you know, however much can you match the price and we actually respond back and we always say you know unfortunately we can't match the price but you know we can also offer the tried at home service so if it's not right it's completely risk-free also we can have an interior stylist look at your choice and look at your space and see if this is going to work for you and set you up with the best chance of success with this rug and nine times out of ten they will always say okay that's fine I've purchased (laughs) <laughs> speaks to value, doesn't it? Like yeah. um, when you're not always the cheapest, it just goes, you know, we're going to be around. We're going to be here for you, Yeah. especially in a product like that. It was funny just to casting my mind back to the conversation we had with Pip from Jumbled. Have you seen her stuff? I haven't. Oh, no. Really cool retailer out of Orange here, um, but do, does a lot of homeware stuff. It's not cheap. So they sell, you know, a couple of grand artwork pieces. And she was saying that a lot of their customers hesitate even when they're buying two, $3,000 pieces to pay over $100 in shipping. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, if you're buying something worth that much, wouldn't you want to pay shipping? Yeah. And she, her thought was that offering, not offering shipping actually made people question whether things would arrive safely and in good nick. Have you had that problem at all with offering free shipping on your yes. rugs? <laughs> it's the easy well, shipping, answer. Shipping's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Definitely a challenge. Yeah, it definitely breaks my heart when like we offer that really, really high level of service. And let's say at the very last mile, a courier may have had a bad experience with a customer that kind of lets it all down. But you know, where we have a product that's extremely challenging. Unfortunately, we have a product that the internally couriers call us ugly freight so um not not a lot of people even accept our product yeah so rugs rugs packed go up to like three meters long and up to like 55 kilos basically so not not even for one person to carry a rug could be almost impossible so but it's a work in progress and we're definitely looking at improving the delivery but as you mentioned like it doesn't come cheap yeah and do you have many people taking you up on that change of mind uh, return service? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People definitely take us up on that. Probably less so than you would expect, but, you know, definitely people take it up and, and that's all factored into our pricing and everything like that. So it's not something that, you know, alarms us or anything like that. Uh, but, yeah, definitely people make use of it. Yeah, awesome. You guys obviously put so much effort into customer happiness yes. at the core of your business. What would be your number one tip for keeping customers happy the long term? 
Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> I would definitely say listen and always tell the truth, always. So, I mean, especially with our customers, the way that we've trained our customer service team is don't talk, just listen. So even with our interior stylists, they might ask them some questions, but their job is really to get as much information as they can from the customer. And similarly, you know, if, if a customer's had a bad experience, you know, they're not going to want to know all the reasons why they had the bad experience. At the end of the day, they just want to be heard. They might want to vent and that's fine. It's a big purchase, you know, purchasing a rug. And if it doesn't go perfectly, we're there to listen to you. And as I said, always tell the truth. Aaron? Yeah, I think you you covered off the same thing as, as I would have said. And and to give you an idea, like I guess the transparency piece is really important. Like Alex said, it's not the customers don't always want to hear every little detail about what happened at the end of the day. You've got to listen to them and, and make sure they're being heard. But at the same time, like we're transparent when, like for example, during COVID, like a lot of companies, we definitely had really big supply chain challenges. You know, we had an increase in demand. And then at the same time, supply chain disruptions, especially our suppliers in India, they were shut down for two or three months. Um, so at the same time as getting a really big increase in demand, we had big disruptions to the supply chain. So, you know, we take pre-orders. So there's a big, big challenge there about originally we had a, a, some original dates there and they ch- had to change multiple times as we had all. And, and it wasn't just suppliers in the end that had supply chain issues. It's been across the whole supply chain, like in the ports in India, then the getting, in getting, getting a con- the ports in Sydney, getting a container on a ship and, you know, like, Previously, it's very predictable and we could predict all of that quite clearly and we could communicate that to the customer in a really clear, concise way. But during COVID, that kept changing. So customers started to get more and more frustrated. So we had to really, really sort of explain to them exactly what was happening and, and, and sort of be quite open with them. Alex actually write, wrote a really big open letter about uh, some of the challenges that we faced I um, as a result of that. I about COVID. 400 customers' letters. Yeah. No way. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. sent them a bath mat, and I said, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> what kind of feedback did you get from customers when they received a handwritten note in a bath mat? Oh, look, I think a lot of people really appreciated it, um, and we definitely got photos of the bath mat. And they said, "Look, we got the bath mat. We're so." I think they just really appreciated being kept in the loop like with our customers like they're never just a number to us they're real people and I always put myself in the same scenario like obviously I'm a shopper online as well and I ordered things and the same thing happened to me and I felt that frustration and obviously although it's not out of Although it's not in our control, it's the last thing you want a customer to experience. So, I mean... Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, they're frustrated either way, whether it's in our control or not. Exactly. Yeah, so... And do you think that it helps when you've got the founders still involved in the business and central to it all, where that transparency uh, and communication comes from Alex and Aaron rather than a brand or a corporate entity? Does that help keep customers happy? Definitely. I would say definitely. So when I I did a few things, I mean, before I sent out the apology email, I also sent them an email. And in that email, I gave them my direct email and said, hey, guys, like, this is what's happened. I'm extremely apologetic. If you have concerns, here's my email address. It's my real email address. Please email me. And I did get a lot of emails back. And I think they were 
I mean, the aim is always to be approachable with our customers and to feel like they have a direct link to us. Yeah, and people people want to buy from people. Exactly. Uh, obviously, brand's really important. It's super, super important. But they also want to know there's another person at the end of the line they can, they can speak to and who they can, you know. So it's, re- and it's really important that, that we're involved. And I think that really helps and people know that, as well as also the rest of our team as well. Yeah. yeah. Has there been any one particular customer story in terms of customer happiness that's really stood out to you guys where rugs really made a huge difference in someone's life? So we actually have, do do you know Slack? So we have have Slack and we have a channel and it's called customer feedback. And I just think, you know, no matter where you work in a business, if you work in operations, if you work in HR, if you work in product, it's so important for our team to see that Cinderella story and what we're doing for customers. So, as I said, customers always send us photos of their house and when they get their rug, they are beyond excited. We don't ask them to send photos back, but almost always they will send yeah. us a photo back and they'll say, this is my, this was the stylist and it's always the same story. She recommended a rug I never thought I would go for. It's not normally my style. I'm so in love with it. Here's a photo of my baby playing on it or my dog playing on it. And we just post those daily because it's just, it's so important, I think, for our whole team to see that. And we've actually just started sharing them on social. So we've started a little um, regular piece that we run called Real Life Rug Stories, hashtag Real Life Rug Stories. And just, I think there's no better thing to show customers, as I said, is that Cinderella story, the makeover piece. And the fact that they're real, authentic customers and that we always ask for their permission, obviously, and they're always so happy to share their name and their location. And yeah, something that's really important. That's so cool because one of the things that I love when I was browsing the site that I loved what you do is you do the full uh, win a full refund competition. Can you tell us about that? Because that kind of goes along a similar train of thought, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So as I said, people are always sharing photos of their makeover and that's honestly, we just every single time we still get goosebumps. Like we love seeing them, our whole team. So We just, one day we just thought like, if this is how many we're getting back that are people sharing, like, what about the people that aren't sharing? Like, how can we actually see all of them? We wanted to see them and we wanted to, yes, we wanted to get the content, but we just love seeing them and that's the truth. So um, what we did is we said, okay, guys, like, You've gone away, you've bought a rug, you've, you've used our stylist advice, show us how you styled it now. So we ask customers to just take a photo of their space and just tag us in it, that's it, or use our hashtag. And every month what we do is we choose our four favourites and we share them on our Instagram platform because, as I said, like nothing is more authentic than a customer's real house and their real experience. You know, that's better than any influencer could ever do for us, a real life rug story so um we chose four finalists and we posted them and we said hey these are the four finalists of the month you have to vote for your favorite so that's when we put the call out to our um, customers to vote for our favorite and all they have to do to vote is just to simply like the post they like the most and tag two of their friends so at the end of that voting period the 
customer whose space was liked the most gets a full refund off their rug. So they get that rug for free. And then we randomly draw a voter where the voter and two of the friends that they've tagged gets a free $250 gift voucher with us. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's gone a bit mental. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because that's one of the things that I think a lot of brands are struggling with at the moment is organic reach. And real content uh, yeah, for those social. So it's kind of solving two problems at once, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, it solves both yeah, of those. Cool. Now, if we take it to the other end of the scale with technology, I noticed that you put a lot of effort into augmented reality and, and you mentioned before that a rug can drastically change what a room looks like. And I'm assuming this is what your augmented reality is trying to help customers get um, their heads around. Can you tell us how that works? Yeah, sure. So basically, we've wanted to do augmented reality for a very long time. From Um, day one. From day one, yeah, basically from day one. Um, but we were very picky about how we implemented it. Like a lot of solutions, a lot of, lot of like frameworks and stuff that are out there that that you can do it in like a mobile app or you can do it through for specific mobiles and things like that. Who wants to download another app these days? No one wants to download another app. Not everybody (laughs) has an iPhone or the latest iPhone. Like there's a lot of limitations. So we really wanted to make sure that something was really easy and didn't take users from our website. That was really kind of the key thing in browser and be able to basically be used on any phone or desktop, which was was really key. Um, And so basically we've, got a solution in place now that does that so you can take a photo of your room or from your phone or you can just upload a photo of any room and you can try any rug inside the room so you can change any rug you can choose the size so you can see different sizes how it looks you can turn it around and it very realistically shows it in your room now it's not perfect because again it is in browser but it is really i think it's pretty good it's pretty good like (laughs) definitely for in browser tech like it's definitely very good yeah and it really just gives that customer like a a way of seeing what the rugs gonna look like and yeah, like it's, it's really, really works because customers, we know customers who use the tool have a much higher chance of converting than customers who don't use it. Yeah, brilliant. And yeah. did you develop that yourselves or did you partner with someone to get that technology up? Good question. No, we partnered with another company to help us with that. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And you may not want to give it away, but do you have any figures on what kind of uplift in conversion you see from those who use augmented reality versus don't? Yeah, yeah, sure. Depending on market and scenario and stuff, like between four and seven times. Wow, that's massive. Yeah. 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 And I mean, a lot of people, you might think that we, you know, developed the augmented reality solution from a sales perspective, but also if you think about it from the other end, it's drastically helped with our return rates, right? Because if you can actually visualize that rug in the space by clicking a button and not ordering a a 50 kilo rug and go, oh, I don't quite like those colors with my couch and then move on to the next one, then, you know, you've obviously, um, we've saved a lot in terms of that whole return process. We've talked a lot about B Corp retailers on past episodes of Add to Cart. Our packaging partner, Signet, recently helped nail polish brand Sienna Byron Bay achieve B Corp status and 99% plastic-free orders from start to finish. By switching from bubble-lined mailer bags three years ago to Signet's gamey protective packaging, not only is Sienna's practices better for the environment, it keeps the nail polish better protected. Visit signet.net.au forward slash blog to find out more. 
Do you find many people are using that AR to then share what their rooms might look like with either partners or just into their social feeds? Yeah, absolutely. So people are sharing it on social, which is so exciting. I go onto Instagram. Yeah, we get tagged all the time. We get yeah. tagged all the time and people are actually organically, we haven't reached out to them at all, but they're doing tutorials on how this is how you use the Misamara VRS, which is like insane for oh, us. Asking, doing tutorials or asking like for feedback from their yes. followers. Like, oh, do, is this so one better Instagram or is this one polls. better? So yeah. they will choose like 10 different rugs, put them in their space and ask their followers to vote. So which rug, would, which rug do you like better, A or B, B or C? And it's just, it's been so great for us. That's cool. And do you have to shoot your products any differently than what you were before to enable it in? No, not at all. We just use the product photos to create a 3D model to create that augmented reality environment. Yeah, but I think for every product is different. For rugs in particular, obviously rugs are flat, which makes it easier to build a 3D yeah, model yeah, from that's true, that's as opposed true. to like, you know, we maybe another, another product sense. like a couch or a table or something like that. It's going to be a little bit more complicated. Yeah. So I guess from that point of view, like, yeah, it's, it is a little bit easier. It's just um, a bit harder to get texture and stuff like that on a, on a rug. Oh, cool. And is there any other e-commerce technology that you guys just couldn't live without? I think that's an interesting question because I think when it comes to particular technology outside, like obviously AR, like I think in terms of the way we look at technology, it's always about what's, what's the problem we're trying to solve. As an end result, we actually cycle through a lot of different tech at different times. So in terms of like, either is a particular piece of software or anything that we use uh, and that we, we would recommend, it's never the case. It's usually like looking at what, what, what's the end goal that we're trying to achieve. So for example, you know, we started with Magento and that was, you know, challenging and we moved it to Shopify and it's allowed us to move a lot quicker. But, you know, we have never ruled out that will, will we look at, will we outgrow Shopify at some point? Will there, will we, there be a point where we need to look at something that, you know, gives us more flexibility? But for now, Shopify is great for us because yeah. it's allowed us to grow very quickly. It's allowed us to, you know, implement things very quickly. But so it's always about like, what is it that we're trying to achieve? What's the strategy and what are we At trying to achieve? At that moment. Yeah. Like, so, for example, like, you know, product recommendations is another one. That's really important to us for our product is using product recommendations because people don't definitely don't know what they're going to buy in terms for a rug the first time they come in. You know, we all know that they're looking for a rug. Like we know they're looking for a rug, but we don't necessarily know what it is. So those product recommendations are super, super important. But we've been through like two different vendors now and then we're on to looking at at our third vendor to basically do that. And also like looking at doing it ourselves in-house. You know, those are kind of things that we're weighing up. So we're never kind of stuck to a particular technology or platform. It's more, yeah. So an answer to your question, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I can imagine it only gets harder too because what you got, how many countries do you sell into now? Yeah, good question. We sell into four countries now. Four countries. Australia, Hong Kong, New Zealand, US. So that's four currencies as well. Four currencies, yeah, four different stores as well. So, you know, we, we operate them all as separate Shopify stores because there's localized, there's lots of localization that we do. So first of all, charging the local currency and then also like delivery is different by country quite a lot and pricing because of the delivery and the, uh, and that side of things. It's a lot of work in there with four different stores, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So like every technology solution as well, we've got to look at, uh, we obviously try to find one that works across all the markets, but sometimes, you know, it might be one works in one market, but not the other. And how do we implement it across all of them to kind of make still that seamless experience? 
Our head of ops has grey hair for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and just last question on that, on, on the country piece, have you got warehouses in each country or are you shipping centrally? Not in each country. So we have our like our main warehouse right now is in Australia. So it's a warehouse we run ourselves. And we run it ourselves for a reason. It's because, again, rugs are bulky. Standard warehouses, actually, it's quite challenging to store rugs in. They're not really built to store rugs. So yeah, Australian Warehouse Services, Australia, New Zealand, and Hong Kong. Uh, we are looking at setting up our... We're in the process of setting up a warehouse in New Zealand. So we are going to go down that process and set one up there. But for Hong Kong, it's a relatively smaller market. So we do ship from Australia most of the time, except for like a returns warehouse in, in Hong Kong. And then in the US, we use like a, another, another warehouse, a third-party warehouse for now, uh, just while we've launched there. We've only been there for three months now. Yeah. So we wanted to sort of use a third-party warehouse, but it did. It took us a long time to get that warehouse, to find a company that could actually support rugs. Mm. Uh, and they still have Amidst their own set of challenges. COVID. Amidst COVID, yeah, we couldn't go visit, we couldn't go visit them we no side video, video just, tours yeah. and stuff like that um and still because they haven't done rugs before it's challenging for them so uh yeah one of those challenges of selling a bulky ugly freight so oh good fun hey does that explain why you've gone into party shirts now oh gosh <laughs> that's a whole nother story <laughs> can we get a little bit of the story a lot easier you gotta hear the story okay yeah. so Basically, for as long as we could remember when we were in tech, we used to do this every Friday. We did party shirt Fridays, which meant like every single person had to wear the most offensive, colorful, in your face shirt always. And we just, it was such a great cultural piece because, you know, even the most like sheltered of people and like would just, have so much fun with Fridays and it's company policy. We still do it every Friday. We've expanded it to like party shirt, dress, jackets, pants. The other day someone said, oh, I'm wearing party underwear, which <laughs> I don't know how HR feels about that. But um, so that was our company policy that, you know, we did that and we just found it was it was so great for our culture and then I guess Aaron approached me when the opportunity for YP Threads came up and he said, you know, look at this business. I feel like it's very us. What do you think? Um, and kind of asked me about it. And um, it was not something that I thought that, you know, I didn't definitely didn't jump at the opportunity, but what kind of pushed me to do it was, when I went on their social, I really saw a lot of, I, I mean, they're completely different businesses to Miss Amara, right? But I saw so many similarities in terms of the community engagement. So, you know, people with rugs, they love to take photos and share, as I said. It was the same thing with YP Threads. Like, they loved to have photos of themselves in these loud offensive shirts and they were sharing it off the back of themselves organically and every day we would get customer tags and shares and all of that. There was a, a little Facebook group that had formed just of the YP Threads community. So it kind of had that X factor that, you know, Miss Amara had and that's when I kind of said, yeah, let's, let's do this. Obviously, we have the team set up and that was really kind of beneficial but gosh I remember when we did acquire the business and then we had to explain like 
give the live chat a bit of a 101 on the brand voice and the culture and how it's going to be different to Miss Amara. Yeah. Polar opposite customers. Polar opposite. But very similar business. So obviously like a direct-to-consumer business, using content really extensively, like same tech platform or very similar tech platform in the back end. You know, we run our own warehouse and everything already. So it's, a, it's in terms of that side of it, it was bolt-on. There was definitely a lot of work for us around, yeah, the brand piece and the, you know, the brand voice and the product as well. Obviously, there's still some learnings and stuff for us there from when we took over the business. So do you have a, a very big crossover with the team who might be working on both brands at the same time? So in terms of logistics, it's the same team and marketing is the same team, but content and customer and cost, service. And cu- content and customer service are separate. Yes. Um, cool. So kind of the two, the key components around where it really does differ for um, the customer basically. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Because I was thinking, yeah, from a content perspective, it'd be hard to switch from that Miss Amara mindset Absolutely. at times and then going to into the party And being true to the brand and tone of voice is just so important. So, you know, I couldn't just, you know, get one of my Miss Amara customer service stylists to all of a sudden start talking <laughs> to, you know, a completely different demographic. It just was not going to work. And and let's just say, like, the, the tickets look very different. <laughs> <laughs> when you acquired yeah. YP Threads and you got under the covers there, was there anything that you found about that business that you went, oh, that's really interesting. We can apply this to Miss Amara? Interesting. Putting me on the spot yeah, there. There's such <laughs> different products. Yeah, there's such different products. Definitely a lot of learnings, I think, the other way around. Yeah. Um, from, from the Miss Amara side to the YP side. But, yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. So. Uh, I mean, one interesting thing is that, like, I think I th- – I'm sure that there's something in our nature as humans that we are drawn to colour. So that's why, you know, party shirts, like, they're so colourful and we're naturally kind of, like, drawn to them. And that's why every guy wearing a loud party shirt puts it on their Tinder profile and gets DMs about the shirts. And every guy at that barbecue wearing the offensive shirt is going to get people asking them about their shirt. The same kind of thing we kind of... Um, we started putting more of our colourful rugs out there in terms of, like, content because the the natural buying behaviour that we've seen is that if we share colourful content, really bright content, humans are naturally drawn to it and they're going to click on it, but they leave with the safer option. Yeah, they see the statement piece uh, and they're like, wow, that looks, you know, but then they they end up going with the safer option, which they feel a bit more they comfortable with. check out with, with. the safer yeah. option. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting because yeah. especially as we're kind of, I feel like we're coming out of that minimalist direct-to-consumer design and design starting to get a bit more brave again. Yeah. And so that's really interesting what you're saying about actually go really brave but then still have those safe options for customers. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's it's funny as well because we did a um, survey recently to our customers. So randomly if you're on the website, you get picked to do a survey and we just asked one question and it was what brings you to Miss Amara today and we were sure that it was going to be you know the free styling or the tried at home service or like one of these amazing USPs that we assumed that customers would say but they literally just said the range the range of rugs that was the most common response and by like 
far and away the most common response. So they really appreciate having those brave options and those colourful options in amongst the neutral options and the safe options. Yeah, it's really interesting as well. You can see some of those colourful, like those more statement pieces. They can get a lot more interactions. But then, yeah, you look at the sales figures in comparison and they end up just Super buying. interesting. Yeah, it's quite interesting buying behaviour. There must be yeah. psychology around it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, big time. We all want to be the peacock, but we're probably not all brave enough to be the peacock, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was interesting what you were saying there around the range. Do you find that range is really important once customers shop with you once and have a really great experience because my feeling is that customers actually don't want to shop around once they find something that they like and they have a great experience with they want to kind of go just look after me do you find that the range is more important for those customers coming back to give them something new definitely i mean in terms of our range we definitely try and not only offer what we think the customer might want, but so I I head up the product team in terms of the designs. And I'm also, also looking for product gaps in terms of our range. So what is actually not available in Australia at the moment when I'm, when I'm doing like a product release for Australia. So like one example of that is, um, so, I mean, I don't know how versed you are in rugs, Nathan. Yeah. (laughs) but the really luxe wool Berber rugs that are like handmade in Morocco, that kind of feel. So the only place you could really get that was a really high-end store where I'm talking it would be like 20,000 Australian dollars and there was really nothing else in the market like it. So, okay, we knew that People wanted them and they weren't available at an affordable price range. So we really tried to make sure that we service that gap. And yes, obviously the cost of the product is more, but we didn't have to charge 20,000 Australian dollars. We could do an in-between price that made everyone happy. Um, and because actually we work directly with the suppliers, you know, um, they get more back. Um, the customers are getting a better price. And, yeah, we, we the product gaps is something that we definitely look at in terms of our range. But um, in terms of the repeat customer, as you said, yes, we definitely do get customers who I'm even surprised, you know, they're like, okay, I've got a rug now for my study, my bedroom. Now I want one for the kitchen. And we're like, oh, okay. Dream customer. Dream customer. And then they're saying, you know, I've, I've referred my um, grandma who's never shopped online before. I've referred my sister-in-law. And that's, that's like really what we love. Yeah, that's cool. I know you guys also own a digital agency. Like it just feels like we're layering on businesses on top of here. I'm like, how do you even sleep? Yeah. Tell us about the digital agency and how that is, is that pre Miss Amara? Uh, digital agency is actually post Miss Amara. So when Alex and I moved to Hong Kong, I was an investor previously in a, a SEO and digital marketing agency in Australia. And when I left Australia, I sold out of that agency. And we came to Hong Kong. And, you know, when you move to a new country, you see a lot of the challenges when you go there. But Hong Kong's a really interesting market. It's, in some ways, it's very advanced. In some ways, it's quite um, backwards. Physical retail here is huge, is absolutely huge. And rents and stuff are insane because everything's in such an enclosed space. So people are used to kind of walking out and, and going to, you know, the local store or something like that. So as a result, a lot of like digital and marketing has lagged a lot 
in, in Hong Kong. So we, we realized that after setting up Miss Amara over here and sort of going through the process of working on a business and sort of seeing, trying to find things in Hong Kong as well. And just, you know, it's the normal process that you do when you're in a new country, like, where do I go for this? Where do I go for that? I just realized like, there's just a lot of things like missing, like, you know, people or companies just aren't out there getting visible. So we realized there was an opportunity to start an agency here, taking the knowledge we'd done from building businesses in Australia, as well as, as building an agency in Australia yeah. and taking that sort of digital knowledge, both on digital and marketing side, to, to basically improving what the offerings that were here in Hong Kong. What we wish we knew when <laughs> we started a business. Yeah, yeah. And have you had the awkward situation where you've had not so much a competitor but someone in very close to Miss Amara wanting to come to your digital agency for help and you've had to go, oh, this is a bit close for us? We've had definitely situations, not not where it's too close, but we've had situations where it's helped us. So, yeah. like, they, you know, it's it's there's not a lot of, I guess, pure play rug companies, um, especially in, in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, I'd say we're the only one in Hong Kong. In terms of that, like, most of the time, if they sell homewares, it's usually a plus to say, hey, actually, you know, we own Miss Amara as well, so we really get homewares. Um, so, you know, you're in good hands. We haven't had that uh, awkward conversation where I've had to say, no, because you sell just rugs, look, it's, it's not going to work just because, yeah, it's unlikely to happen in such a small market. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, getcha. Now, the last layer that we'll put on top of this story is that you guys, as I understand it, are actually a couple working yeah. together in this business. Yeah, yeah. Way to make it awkward right at the end. Yeah, I was like <laughs> saving that one up my sleeve. In the run sheet we've got here, it's right at the start. I was like, I'm going to keep that one. I'm going to hold it back. How does that work yeah. for you guys when you're managing so many businesses and you're so busy and working as a couple? How do you do it? Honestly, we love it. Like we yeah, can't yeah. imagine anything else. And I mm. feel like a little bit of a responsibility here to speak because I think couple founders get a really bad rap. I mean, I will share that at, at one stage we were looking for investment and it was actually like a big turnaway point that we were a couple founder. But I just, I think about it in terms of the way that we operate is we're very clear, like work is work and personal is personal, but we also have very clear things that we own, right? So what we're in charge of. And I know that I have the final say on anything kind of creative, stylized, brand-wise, and I know Aaron has the final say when it comes to finance and all of those decisions. So we keep that really separate, but it's worked for us so well. And I think it's funny because I always say to someone, because they, they'll say, you know, oh, I could never work with my partner. I could never work with my partner. And you know how if you're working a job and your partner's working a job and you come home from a really hard day and you'll turn to your partner and you'll try and explain to them what happened at work. So you have to explain who Jenny is and <laughs> what happened with Mark and the argument that happened and all of that. We literally can come home and just be like, how about that thing that happened today? <laughs> we don't have to get each other up to speed. We know everything that's going on at all times. Is that and just through funny- a Slack channel that you guys talk to each other? Oh, that's that's another story. But no, 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 no. We talk to each other. And the funny thing is, like, when we first started doing it, we had this rule that as soon as we came home, we wouldn't talk about work. And that was our rule. But what we found is that made us so frustrated. So I think what we've kind of accepted is the a lot of the reason why we're together as, 
as a couple is because we're interested in business and we're interested in, you know, we have similar interests in terms of entrepreneurship and things like that. So rather than kind of deny that, we're like, let's just lean into it. You know what? Like we like talking about business. We just need to make sure that we have that personal time as well. Yes. Yeah. The most, like it's still really important to make sure that we have that personal time and that non-work time where we, where, where during that time we're like, Hey, okay, let's just, let's just have now and not talk about work. It always comes back, but it's about putting in that effort to, to have that too, a bit separate. You, you do need a break from work and that's really, really important to make sure you kind of refresh and that sort of thing. So if you're always talking about it all the time, uh, eventually you're going to get, you know, exhausted. So you do need that time where you can just kind of unwind and, and, you know, have, have other conversations. So instead of like setting really boundaries, like this time we can't talk about and that time we don't, we, we're a bit more fluid with it. Um, so and a lot of the time the we do talk day, about yeah. we want the same things yeah, right? yeah, yeah that's the difference when you're working with your partner yeah. your goals are their goals their goals are your goals and I mean that's really important I think it, no matter what business partner you have you need to have the same goals you want the same things you want the business to go in the same direction yeah. we have the same we're aligned on what we want personally in terms of our goals and what we want from a business perspective and the values about how we get there we're completely aligned there we're very very similar in that way but we're very different in terms of our skill sets so i think that's why it works so well um, and we both really really love what we do like we really love yeah. the businesses that we're we running it really it really it's brings a lot baby. of joy to us <laughs> yeah yeah, so exactly. good. And that's the thing. You, you say, you know, you can obviously be very protective around work bleeding into personal. But then on the other hand, I'm sure you've got a lot of personal that bleeds into work as well, which kind of works for yeah, both sides, right? Absolutely. You know, that's if, right. it, it's, it's when I know, like, for example, if Aaron's going through something personally, I'm aware of that. Um, whereas maybe if he was just a business partner, I wouldn't be aware of it. I wouldn't know why he was stressed out. We know when we can, we need to alleviate pressure off one or the other because we see if someone's working too much or working overtime. Yeah. So we know when to kind of step in. And in terms of like case studies, in terms of like couple co-founders, you know, you've got um, Canva. Yeah, Canva's a really big co-founders right um event bride as well couple co-founders so i definitely think that there are advantages so if anyone's listening and they ever you know i don't want to start something here but if you're thinking about doing it i would be the biggest advocate 100 percent. that's brilliant do you remember what that investor said to you that was anti-couple co-founders Honestly, I have a screenshot of the text that I read all the time just to give myself a little bit of validation. Well, well done. You've, uh, you've kicked that one, haven't you? Basically, I think they just said it could be problematic in hyphens, that it could be problematic. And look, at the end of the day, I, I completely understand where they're coming from, right? Mm. I guess also... I think that we're quite realistic in terms of like if let's say, for example, our personal relationship breaks down, we will still be able to separate the business and personally we have a plan for that. Mm. Not that I think we'll ever come to that. <laughs> we, we won't deep dive into that into that topic. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, the thing is about working together as well, and that's the important thing, is if it's work, it's work, and we, we understand that. Like, yeah. So we can have a frank conversation with each other at work about you know, performance with each other. And that's something we can have 
And we, we can always say, hey, look, take it back. This is, this is, this is a work conversation. It's not, nothing personal. And we're able to, it's really, really important to separate that work and personal side and, and really be clear about that conversation. And, and we're able to do that. We know that work is work and, you know, personal is personal. So when it comes to work, then we can, we can have those conversations and, and we're working and it's, it's about work and if it's personal, it's something different. We can, you know, it's a different kind of communication. That's awesome. I, I don't, I personally, I don't think it's anything people should be scared of. I think people should aspire to it. You know, if you, you're in, in for life with this person, then in for yeah. business as well. And it kind of makes sense. And yeah. Um, and it's something that we're really proud of, to yeah. be honest. And we yeah. say as well, like we, we see it as if we were both running separate businesses, we, we wouldn't actually see very much of each other. We would actually yeah. be, because we work very hard and, you know, running a business, you've, you, it takes a lot of time. So, we wouldn't actually see each other that much if we're both running our own business separately. So the fact that we're doing it together, we do actually get to see each other I more mean, and spend more time. I mean, not the time at work substitutes for it quality no. time, I will say that. <laughs> it doesn't, definitely you, doesn't you just didn't get out of date night then, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but even even if you're working together and it's not work, it still is we are going to work every day. You do get to see each other. And yeah. if, if we imagine if we weren't if we were separated during that time, it would actually yeah, there'd be a lot less time with each yeah. other basically. We bring so. our dog to work as well. Yeah, so you yeah. know. That's cool. It's a family affair. Family. Yeah. Okay. Guys, um, I've loved our chat. Thank you so much. Thank Can you. you give us what's next on your horizons for Miss Amara and yourself? Sure. Yeah, yeah. First one, world rug domination, one <laughs> rug at a time. <laughs> That's nice. what we always say to yeah. everyone. So, I mean, really for us, like the like the next 18 months, US is a really big focus for us. Like uh, we, we, we don't want to lose sight with the other markets, but... Uh, they're still really important, especially Australia, which is our biggest right now. But we know US for us is going to be huge. Like we've done tests there, where it, we've just launched there. Um, you know, already seeing the what we're doing there is really working well. So that's going to take us a while to kind of build up there. In the future, past maybe eighteen months, we'd be looking at potentially Europe, which is obviously a whole beast in itself. So uh, a lot of different smaller markets there. Another really important thing to us is continuing to improve our sustainability. So we do a lot already, but we really want to like sort of accelerate that even more. So how we looking at ways and how we can reduce our carbon footprint. So whether it's offsetting the, the carbon that we're already creating or whether it's reducing, you know, the use of air freight and things like that. A really big one for us now is like recycled fibers. So we use a lot of PET, so uh, PET yarn, which is basically recycled bottles. So we're using a bit of it now. We really want to accelerate. We're trying to develop more and more products um, across using those recycled fibers. Um, and, you know, also we do things like recycled leather and a few other things there, but really expanding that range. And then also in the third one in, inside of that sustainability piece is like reducing the, uh, non-degradable waste. So we're looking at sort of how we can create all, all the waste that we're creating is degradable, especially on the packaging side. Yeah. This is a fair bit of packaging and packaging a rug. Um, we want to see how we can make it degradable, basically. That's awesome. Big goals. Yeah, yeah. Goals. yeah, cool. And then if anyone wants to reach out and talk to you guys, check out Miss Amara. What are the best places to go? Funny thing is my Instagram was deactivated today. <laughs> my Instagram, I was going to say Instagram DMs. When I get my account back up, like, why is it down? It, DM me on Instagram. What happened? No, they think they think that I've breached the laws for some reason, but I swear that I haven't. So Instagram, if you're listening, like I swear I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> no, but you can obviously reach out on LinkedIn. 
Yeah, LinkedIn for LinkedIn me as well. LinkedIn Messenger yeah. or send me an email. Beautiful, guys. Love your work. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. So fun. Yeah, thank you, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. There were so many threads in there that I really wanted to pull and explore further. Aaron and Alex were fascinating guests. One thing that stood out for me is that they found a few really low-cost techniques that they know that will work for them, and they've really made the most of them. The tactic of rewarding customers for sharing photos of rugs in their own home serves so many purposes. It makes their customers their biggest ambassadors. It gives them content to share wider and provides real insight into customers' lives that no data mining exercise could really uncover. It's really, really smart. It's a tactic I'd steal if I could. To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly, if you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly, if you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8 a.m. every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12high12high.com.au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to esuitetalent.com.au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out, sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.